Welcome to the Confluence of Ideas, the Confluence Investment Management Podcast. Our guest today is the firm's Chief Executive Officer and Chief Investment Officer, Mark Keller. During these discussions, we use a concise question and answer format to address, as a rule, current geopolitical issues affecting investment strategies. I'm Phil Adler, your moderator. Many of these podcasts focus and expand on themes presented in the firm's weekly geopolitical report, as well as the daily comment and other research articles written by the firm's experts. And you can access these reports on the front page of confluenceinvestment.com. It is an easy step to subscribe by email to any of these reports. I say many of these podcasts, but not all of them. Today, we turn away from geopolitical issues to address what you might term the nuts and bolts of the way confluence investment management operates and the care that goes into the decision-making at the firm. We outline today the confluence investment management philosophy of investing, and in particular, investing in equities. Mark, you like to say that at Confluence Investment Management, process is king. What do you mean? Well, simply put, Phil, we can't predict the future. A lot of folks think investing is all about predicting the future, but it's not. There's too much randomness in the world. Outcomes really can't be predicted. All you can do is do things the right way. I liken it to baseball. You can put a good swing on. Nice level, hit it hard, but it still may just be a line drive out to the shortstop. A few inches one way or another, and it might be a double in the gap. All you can do is swing correctly, and more often than not, things will work out well. That's what we do. Our process, we believe, maximizes probabilities of good outcomes, and we just stick with the process day after day, just like a good hitter puts a good swing on day after day. Well, there might be many investment firms that uh, identify with your model, which I, I guess you might term a long-term strategy, uh, focus on quality equities purchased at an attractive level. We hear the, these phrases often. Um, let's dig in for a bit on how these concepts are realized at Confluence Investment Management and how you might differ from other firms. First of all, how do you measure quality when it comes to equities? Well, you're right that a lot of firms... Uh, emphasize quality. They buy quality companies. Almost no one says they buy lousy companies. Uh, they all say they buy quality just about. But you have to have a definition of quality. One of my partners likes to say, if you don't uh, have a definition of quality, any shiny bead will look like a diamond to you. And uh, that's when you find people just running after every interesting new idea. We have a very specific definition of quality, and everything has to fall within that definition. Um, I'll, very briefly, uh, it's got three points to it. Number one, we look for companies with substantial and durable competitive advantages. Uh, and those competitive advantages mean that their customers want to do business with them, even if it costs a little bit more. And that little bit more we call pricing power. And, and, and to us, this is, uh, this is the most important thing. That's why we put it number one. And when our investment team gets together, it's this point that gets the most discussion. How strong is the competitive advantage? And more importantly, how durable is it? 
Will it last for a decade or more? Ah, if it is, then we're really interested in it. Number two, we look for companies that generate cash. I mean, that's really the the goal, isn't it? To, to, to have a company produce cash and, and free cash flow in particular. That is, after reasonable capital expenditure needs, is there something left over? If there is, this company has a more secure future than some company that does not generate cash. Every once in a while, Wall Street kind of goes away from you and doesn't offer you the opportunity to raise capital. We saw that happen back in 2008. Um, we like companies that generate their own free cash flow. In other words, if Wall Street were to just shut down and go away, they could continue to fund their own growth. And of course, all kinds of good things can redound to shareholders who own free cash flow generating companies, things like dividends. You got to pay those out of cash. They can buy back stock. You can grow through acquisition, et cetera. And then finally, we look for companies that are run by people who, in by our definition, know what they're doing. In other words, management teams are, one, ethical. Uh, number two, they know how to manage the enterprise. In other words, they're competent. And number three, and this is really important and often overlooked, they know how to allocate capital. I just talked about free cash flow. What do you do with all that free cash flow? Does management just pay themselves better with it? Well, that's not going to benefit us too much. Do they pay dividends? Well, that could be a good thing. Do they buy other companies? Well, that can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. How good are they at allocating capital? That's kind of the same question people should ask about us. We ask that about the management teams we invest in. To be successful as a firm, it, it looks like you must not only stay on top of a company's operations, the way you've just described, but those of its competitors as well. And, and also be aware of potentially disruptive innovations within an industry. This is, sounds like a lot. It seems pretty labor intensive, is it? It is indeed. Evaluating a company involves, as you indicate, evaluating the competitive landscape. This is a very labor-intensive job, and we do it with people. When we started this firm, uh, within a few months, we had uh, a dozen people here who were all trained as business analysts. We think there's no other way to do it but to actually have people studying companies. We're kind of the opposite of a quant shop, in other words. I was going to say you do it with people, not algorithms. That's correct. That's correct. It's not that we don't know math and use math, but we don't outsource this analysis to computers. We are a very computer-savvy company, but we believe that the evaluation of companies and land competitive landscapes and the evaluation of people, which is what we're doing when we're evaluating management, you need people to do that properly. Well, certainly algorithms are insufficient when it comes to measuring ethics. You say you consider whether a company has highly ethical management. How do you measure who or what is ethical? Well, you know, we, we try to keep it simple. Uh, from an ethical point of view, we are golden rule people. How you treat others is everything. And if you treat others the way you would like to be treated, you are going down the right path. Um how does the management team treat its employees? How does it treat its customers? You know, in other words, you know, how, how do they treat the government? Are they fair? <laughs> you know, I mean, are, are they constantly battling? Are they um, are they getting in trouble with the regulators? These kinds of things, you know. And, and the only way to really do that is to look at what they do and what they have done. Don't listen to what they say. Watch what 
they do. Uh, I, I will tell you, I've always been amazed at how quickly and completely the ethics of a CEO spread throughout an organization, both for good and for ill. It really is important to evaluate the ethical standards of people at the top of a corporation. Now, you have a list of questions that you strive to answer about each equity you consider. And you just mentioned some of them, a competitive advantage. You mentioned balance sheet management. And, and, and I know there are other uh, categories as well. Must the answers be 100% affirmative for you to go ahead to proceed to a, to a purchase? Well, you know, there is no perfect company. Uh, what would a perfect company be, by the way? For us, it would be a virtually unregulated uh, monopoly <laughs> with, uh, with perfectly ethical and competent management and no need for outside capital. Now, if there were such a company, it would probably stay private <laughs> and we would not be able to buy it. So, uh, no, we can proceed with less than perfect answers to our questions. And we have dozens and dozens of, of questions that, that we seek to answer. There is a continuum, uh, if you will, a spectrum of, you know, if we can put that mythical perfect company on one end and a perfectly awful company that's probably a commodity producer has no control over their pricing and is a high cost and consumes cash uh, on one end. There's a there's a spectrum in between. And we clearly want to be in the upper half, even the upper quarter of that spectrum. You know, that's where we're looking. We're, we, we have very specific quality definitions and we seek to uh, evaluate and move forward only with companies at the upper end of that spectrum. It seems to me that you search for companies that value process the same way that Confluence Investment Management values process. Not, not only written process, but process rigorously followed behavior. Am I correct? Am I onto something? Uh, yes, you absolutely are. Um, and the reason for that is that not only can we not predict the future, we have to come in every day with a consistent process. Companies cannot predict the future. It's become common in the last few decades for companies to issue guidance, for instance, uh, on their sales and earnings. And it's kind of remarkable how often they're wrong. Uh, this is something I discovered as an analyst uh, in my early years back in the 80s. Um, I was following the metals and mining industry for a number of years in the middle, middle 80s. Very cyclical business. And I was seeing some cyclical deterioration in the economy. And I would ask management about it, and they would say, oh, no, we think business is great. And it seemed obvious to me on the outside, business was not great. Was getting, well, sometimes you can be so close to the trees, you can't see the forest. And management teams are often like that. They really are no better, no better at forecasting the future than individuals are. So process is important there as well because they can't predict the future. And, and so, we, yes, absolutely, we look for companies that have consistent processes that they adhere to. You talked uh, briefly about valuation. What are some of the steps you employ to measure attractive valuation? Well, I'll give you four steps that we try to always move through on the valuation. Number one, how do companies within that industry value themselves and other businesses um, that are within their own industry? Not every industry is valued the same and it values itself the same. So and the only way you learn that is by talking to people within the industry. 
Uh, Number two, we observe transactions. Uh, When whole companies are bought and sold, what valuations, according to those metrics that you've just learned, what numbers are they going off at? What multiples of book value, what multiples of, of cash flow, uh, et cetera, or multiples of sales, whatever, uh, th- that are, are they going off at? Number three, uh, you you apply that to your own company that you're studying there. Okay, then what would this company likely sell for in a transaction based on what you've learned? And number four, we want to set a discount to that. What's the appropriate discount that we want to pay to that that estimate of intrinsic value that we've just developed? And um the size of that discount will vary depending upon our evaluation of quality. The closer it is to that perfect company, the, the narrower the discount we will demand. Are there biases that you identify that you must avoid as an investment management firm? Oh, boy. How much time do we have here? Uh, they, they, there are Give me a the lot. top two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, maybe the very first thing that I I read is even before I became an analyst, I was just a young man reading about investing, was don't fall in love with your stocks. They will break your heart. You cannot have unreasonable love for a certain company or industry or an unreasonable distaste for a company or industry. Um, you've got to let the, the, the facts speak for themselves. Maybe that's a way of saying you've got to get emotions uh, out of it. And that, that may be the single most important thing. And another bias is groupthink, um, you know, where everyone kind of, uh, you, you, and this is a cultural thing, that bias that has to be fought. I always admire the curmudgeon who, who, who brings everybody back to reality. And that's one advantage of our collaborative process. Now, you got to watch that curmudgeon. He can he can have biases too that 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 lead you away, but you know you, you've got to. There's got to be openness in an organization if it's going to work effectively in a collaborative way. Tell me, after a good year, is it tempting to showcase performance? Uh, perhaps when I was younger, it was tempting. You know, we, we've all kind of learned that this is an up and down business. I talked about randomness before. You really can't predict the future. And really, this business is all about expectations. That is creating creating realistic expectations on the part of your clients. And if you have a good year and you go tout it, they're going to start thinking, hey, that, that must... These guys must be able to do that every year. No, because there's so much out of our own control. Only what's in our control is process. That's you know that's really it. We can't control outcomes. And if you start promoting performance, uh, you you are simply asking for trouble. You measure the discipline of other companies as you consider their equities. How do you discipline yourself? Is well, there a process for that? Yeah. Well, it, it starts with the hiring process. You know, we 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 um, we look for people who have personal self discipline, who are not terribly emotional. Emotions are really the enemy of effective and successful investing. Now, you might think that leads to a rather dull group of people, and maybe we are in some respects, but this is important. Uh, So it it starts in the hiring process. But then our collaborative approach, which I just mentioned, is really important. That's really the, the way 
that our process is enforced day to day. We have we, we work in teams. Every part of our company is organized into an investment team that really do work together. It's not a fiction. There's not some superstar who, who really is driving the bus. Each team works collaboratively, and that collaboration enforces the process. Finally, something you wrote in one of your letters to investors, successful investors are not forecasters, they're odds makers. Is this what process really is all about? Absolutely. Good processes lead you to make investment decisions that should maximize the probabilities of good outcomes. That's process, and that's maximizing odds. There's no guarantees in this business, of course. People who want guarantees really need forecasters. They need fortune tellers, really, and those people don't exist, even though everyone's looking for them. We know they don't exist, and therefore we work through processes which lead us, if we do them correctly, to good odds. And that's, that's the, the essence, we think, of good investing. This has been the Confluence of Ideas, featuring Confluence Investment Management Chief Executive Officer and Chief Investment Officer Mark Keller. Our report is based on sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler. Our website is confluenceinvestment.com. You can find us on Twitter at ConfluenceIM.